How's it going, everyone? This is Jason Navarro. Uh, this is Tongues Out Podcast. This is my second interview for the podcast. We're going to be talking about cannabis. And I have one of my good friends and just someone I've respected for, for quite a while just because he's given me so much insight in, in like the, the cannabis space and also you know getting me started on this podcast as well. It's my good friend, Kurt. Um, Kurt, how are you doing today? Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm doing good. I've already taken a dab and all of that, so <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm ready to talk about weed. Awesome. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess the, 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 uh, the best way to get this started is just kind of an introduction on how we met. Um, so I met Kurt through uh, the company that I worked for recently, which was Fireball Cannabis Gummies. And I want you to kind of go for a little bit on how you got into that space. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of backstory before it leads into that. So be as elaborative as you'd like. Uh, sure. Um, well, yeah, so I, I met Jason through, um, we're doing Fireball Cannabis Gummies out here in Vegas. Um, but I had been working in the Las Vegas uh, cannabis space um, since 2017. Um, I came in through, um, I was working with some dispensaries out here first. Um, I had actually moved out to Vegas um, for a dispensary job um, out here from Los Angeles. Um, prior to being in Vegas, I was working at um, some smoke shops um, in L.A., primarily one in Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, so it was like the biggest and busiest uh, smoke shop in in Hollywood and uh, throughout most of L.A., uh, lots of foot traffic. Um, and then through that, I also started working with some bong companies, um, or I guess technically I should say water pipe. Uh, I don't know if bong will get, uh, I don't know, demonetized. But <laughs> no monetization <laughs> um, on these. <laughs> I would have been demonetized um, a long time ago. <laughs> gotcha. But... Um, but yeah, anyway, so I, I came out to Vegas 2017. We've been working with dispensaries. Uh, first, I was at Hardeen. I, I had helped them kind of set up their uh, social media marketing and, and stuff like that and helped them get through um, cannabis going recreational in Las Vegas. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Was when was that uh, again? That was in like 2016? That was in like yeah, uh, July, I think. June or July 2017. 17. I think July. Gotcha. Um, yeah, so prior to that, you know, all the dispensaries were medical um, out here. Um, and then July, you know, July hit, and then it was a big, uh, it was like a big celebration in Las Vegas, lines outside of all the dispensaries. Um, at Hardeen, you know, it was the same. We had a line wrapped around the building and just a line of people out there for most of the day. Um, to buy, you know, recreational cannabis on the first day. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then after that, I had, um, um, I kind of linked up with a friend of mine who was big, um, not necessarily in cannabis, but just in social media in general. He's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, we'll call him like a social media underworld boss. Um, but very, very connected person. Uh, so he and I started um, pitching social media services and content marketing um, to other dispensaries and other other places too. I, um, 
you know, cafes, boba shops, you know, coffee shops, things like that. And we had picked up a few clients that way. Um, and then through that, um, we had picked up a deal with Acres Dispensary. So we started working on their social media and um, just other marketing stuff uh, that they needed. Uh, and then eventually my friend kind of, he split off from it. So I took, I took over the whole thing. So I was creating content and doing social media. Um, so photography, videography, graphic design, you know, all of that stuff, as well as Instagram and Facebook and sometimes Reddit, Twitter, depending on uh, the accounts I was handling. But I would do that stuff for Acres, and then through Acres, you know, that led to Fireball, um, which is where I had met you. So, um, you know, now this is, I think, the, I guess, the second or third year into recreational cannabis here in Vegas, which has been great. Although things have, you know, of course, taken us a bit of a turn with COVID happening. So, um, you know, a lot of the tourists aren't in the market anymore. So we're seeing a lot more locals at the local shops, you know, we'll say. Um, but, yeah, you know, the cannabis space out here is a good place to be in still, you know, regardless whether we're in a pandemic or not. I think it's crazy just to have to see and witness, which you, you probably agree, you know, how fast, you know, marijuana went from being such a, a bad thing or taboo thing to, you know, having billboards around to sell it and then a pandemic hitting and then it being essential too, which I think is crazy, but I'm awesome, of course. Yeah. And, um, so much to, to break off, like to break apart from just like what you talked about, but yeah, yeah, yeah. just, um, with the, the COVID aspect. Yeah. It was unbelievable. I mean, honestly, I remember us doing some pop-ups at, uh, a dispensary called planet 13. It's like one of our, our bigger clients that we had here in Las Vegas. And we would just be following the news about it in China. And, um, you know, that was like in maybe February time period, like late February, and we were oh, talking yeah. about we'd be we'd be in the store joking about it and yeah and just um events. gosh how many months later here we are <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> you know we talked about like uh things that we thought you know the administration could have probably done a little bit differently about um you know managing like traffic coming into the, the country and it was just something oh, yeah. that we were following but we never saw it affecting you know getting this yeah deep i guess it was like when we, I guess when we started to hear that it was coming into California is when the realization hit that, you know, and then we saw like local news that eventually like the first case finally landed in, in Las Vegas. And then it was like, oh, shoot, this might be, this might be yeah. something. Yeah, I remember like when news broke, um, like you said, California and also New York was happening. Um, and then I think it was, I think it was CES, right? Still happened right before kind of the breakout. Yeah. Or in early, yeah, in February. And then I was, I just remember thinking like, hmm, like, I don't know, if, I don't know if we should have still had CES or, or, you know, or whatever convention it was. I don't remember. Oh, no, it was, exactly. I think it, it was, it was definitely CES was like the big, big one. Yeah. Cause I remember it was a little bit more, you know, it was a bit diminished uh, because it was people already line. didn't want to travel. 
Um, For a lot of people that listen, like CES is the largest convention in Las Vegas, actually. It happens every beginning of the year, and it's a big technology convention. That's all it is. Like all like the newest and greatest, like from automotive to, to computers to drones, to photography, to everything, like anything technologically. Yeah, all, all of that. The yeah. um, con- consumer electronics show. So it's like the big uh, unveiling or announcement from all the major players. Yeah, and so... And they do it in Vegas, but... And it generates a lot of traffic. I mean, upwards, I think the most recent one was like 120, 130,000 people come in for a week-long period and, and just for that convention. And so... Um, but a lot of that traffic also comes from, you know, the Asian countries as well. And I think that's why we were talking about oh, it. Oh, a ton. Yeah, yeah, a ton. I mean, um, that's where, you know, most of those countries are, our companies are based, you know? Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's just been wild to see how that's impacted. It was one of the great things to hear, though, that cannabis was at least considered an essential industry. But do you did you ever um, – I know I had reached out to, to Kevin and asked him, but um, – I think they were looking into it, but you know how like uh, like when the pandemic actually hit and it was affecting businesses, the small business loans that they were offering to businesses were they not applied to cannabis companies as well? Do you know? Um, you know, as far as I've heard, um, which hasn't been a lot, um, but I've heard that they haven't been. You know, because again, it's it is still a gray um, area. So I, I don't think any cannabis businesses out here are getting any sort of assistance um, not any federal or you know there might be some state programs um, that were put together just for cannabis or you know some other third-party thing but definitely nothing uh, you know I guess federally official Wow I heard a lot of brands that weren't like really big brands were definitely impacted by this for sure um, you know I heard even some other big names I'm not going to talk about like who they are specifically but at one point, I was hearing like a lot of like you know layoffs and potentially like just stopping production entirely for some brands. Which you know, yeah, seeing you know, like I the think, upward um, trend and then hearing that big reversal was just like an eye opener. I was like, wow, oh my god, this is huge. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I guess yeah, it is kind of a weird position that cannabis is in, being that it was deemed essential and all that, but it also is not eligible for you know the type of normal assistance and things that, uh, you know, other businesses would be able to, to access. But, um, yeah, from what I've heard, I guess with other companies, though, you know, I think even before all this stuff hit, um, you know, there was a few companies that I think were strapped, you know, just to run, you know, their month-to-month operations already. Um, and then you, you add the pandemic situation to it, um, you know, that's going to, you know, a lot of people are going to drop off, which is unfortunate. Um, but it also, you know, it also, I guess, fits, fits the market. Everybody takes a hit. And I guess if you're not big enough, then, you know, you got to fall off and, I don't know. It sucks because I wish there was like some sort of, you know, safety net in place for those uh, people. Uh, but you know, I think they'll have to turn to other, like I said, third-party programs or you know things like that. Yeah, Kurt. Uh, just uh, for everyone, like 
I mean, from the moment I met him, I knew that he was going to be such a cool person to like to, to pick his brain. Not to, I, I don't generally like to do hype trains for a lot of people, but honestly, he's got such a cool background and, and a, a ton of different things. His interests are honestly all over the place, which is I love gravitating towards people that like that because I tend to do the same things. So uh, when I initially met him, I met him through the fact that he was handling all of the marketing for this new brand that we were launching. It was uh, the first alcohol company coming into the cannabis space, which is just unheard of. And it was such a taboo subject that most alcohol companies weren't willing to jump onto. But Fireball, the whiskey brand, wanted to kind of um, diversify their portfolio and come into the cannabis space because they saw the potential in in that space. Privately owned, so they didn't really have to navigate through uh, shareholders like other companies had to. And so when I met Kurt, you know, I saw him as the guy that was handling all the marketing for this like new big brand and, and, you know, taking charge in that. But as I got to know him personally, because again, we, we didn't know each other, but through work, you know, we started to understand a lot more about each other. I learned about, um, you know, his past and, and some of his interests. And honestly, dude, you have some like really cool interests. I mean, again, I brought it up at the beginning, but if it wasn't for Kurt, uh, I wouldn't have known the type of equipment that I would want to use for uh, podcasting. I knew that he was big into marketing, but I remember that uh, through com- conversations that before uh, filmography, it, it, don't mind uh, to correct me, but you started off in audio first, correct? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'll go back a little bit, I guess. Uh, I've so far have lived a crazy life, like, I don't know, 20 different lives or, or something already. But um, so during my Hollywood life, this was after I separated from the military. Um, this is also where I was able to jump back into, uh, I guess, weed and enjoy cannabis. Um, I was going to school. This was like 2008. Um, I was going to school in Hollywood um, to be to get my sound engineering uh, degree because um, I knew at that point I wanted to do something within media. Um, and at that point, I was more um, wanting to do sound engineering for music and things like that. Um, but also at that time, like I said, since I had gotten out of the military and I was in Hollywood, I started smoking weed. Um, of was course, I would time? never thought about was working like, in the weed industry until many years later. Was that your first time getting into cannabis? When when was like when yeah. was your first experience? What was that like? If you don't mind sharing, um, like, uh, like A- ever working or, or you mean just like smoking? Smoking cannabis. Uh, so my first experience was um, actually in Japan. Uh, I was in, I think I was a sophomore in high school. And I want to date myself, but I think this might have been like 99. Gotcha. 99 or 2000, something like that. But, yeah, I I was on a military base. My dad was in the military. Um, So very hard to get anything in a military base in northern Japan. But, you know, I was a little skateboarder kid, you know, so I was already into little counterculture and all that sort of stuff you know, know about weed through music, of course, and all this sort of thing. And um, a friend of mine, his brother, was coming to visit uh, from college in Washington State. And 
flew out to Japan, and my friend ended up uh, pinching some weed from his brother. <laughs> and, you know, he, he hit up me and uh, our friend Alvin, and this was like late at night already. It might, it might have been like midnight or something. I think I snuck out. I was thinking out a lot of the time. Um, and, yeah, we ended up going to some tennis courts on the base, and the tennis courts had a, you know, chain link fence surrounding, you know, the courts, and it had, like, those plastic slats um, that go through the fence that kind of um, adds some privacy. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, you can like, kind of see through it still, but not not really. Yeah. Um, but we ended up going to some tennis courts on base and just we smoked a joint, and that was it. I remember it honestly feeling exactly like I thought it was going, like, almost... Like the movies, almost like, um, um, you, you know, like Dave Chappelle uh, described it in. Uh, oh, I know which one you're talking about. Um, um, why am I forgetting it, uh, dude? That's a classic. Uh, I say Days and Confusion. No, not Days and Confusion. Wow. Um, um, half Days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that opening scene. That's honestly what it felt like. Although maybe not quite as a uh, you know cartoony, <laughs> but. But still had that same kind of just uplifted, kind of drifty, kind of happy, mellow feeling. And I was like, wow, this is great. And then, you know, from there, I, I didn't get to smoke it again until a year or two, maybe two years later. Because, uh, again, you know, I was in northern Japan. There's no way to get this stuff. No. And, on a, and on a military base. So that was like my one time to have it. Wow, dude. So you go two years after your first experience then. Yeah, so I was in Japan. Ended up moving to England. Um, Dad got orders to another Air Force base over there, so moved to England. Um, So now I was... I'm a junior. I'm a junior in high school. I was halfway through. Um, And then in England, uh, you know, weed is kind of like a regular kind of thing, or not, I don't want to say regular, but not looked as as down upon, I guess. Um, So it was easier to get, you know, and I had some, I had British friends that actually went to the school on base um, with us, so I just asked them if they can get me hash or whatever else, and they were able to hook me up. Gotcha. So, yeah, so that was great. I got to smoke in England. Uh, in high school for a little bit, but then right after I graduated high school, uh, is I joined the military. So I literally quit, or I had to stop cold turkey for five years <laughs> uh, until, yeah, eventually making my way to to Hollywood years later and feel, being able to go buy weed at the store, which was great. Yeah, because in the military, uh, you get drug tested for that stuff, right? And you can get into a lot of trouble if you get caught with. Oh yeah, oh with, yeah, with cannabis in your um, system. Can you get discharged for that? Do you know? Oh, definitely. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, they, wow. don't, they don't play. And um, and I actually, when I joined the military, I ended up going right back to Japan, um, for my first base. So, um, you know, for one, you know, weed is bad for the military. And then for two, Japanese, you know, weed in Japan is also taboo and very bad. So when you're overseas like that, anywhere in the world for the military, it's like a double, you know, because you got to follow your your rules and 
regulations for the military and all that, but also the host country. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, so it's like extra. It's extra bad if you get caught with anything because then it turns into it's not just you getting in trouble with the military, like, oh, you did a bad thing. Now it's, oh, you have weed in Japan, and now it's an international incident because you're an American with drugs. It's, a, it's crazy. How, did, did you ever, in the military, did you ever have any close moments or no? Oh, no. I mean, when I actually, uh, so after I joined, you know, go to boot camp, go to school, whatever, go to my first base in Japan. Um, when I first got there, I actually did, tr- uh, I think I remember the website, so I think it was legalhigh.com. <laughs> I think. Um, but I remember trying to buy, like, some legal weed you know, substitutes or whatever, you know, there were just like some, you know, herbal blends of whatever, who knows, probably random plants, you know, sprayed with some chemicals um, that were quasi-legal. But I remember I got two flavors of something, and then uh, I got it shipped to my barracks in Japan, which was kind of a little sketch at the time, but, um, I mean, it was legal, you know. Yeah. It said it was, and it wasn't (laughs) weed, so... But I remember trying it, and it just, you know, it wasn't the same. It's not the same. And I just remember getting a headache, and I was just kind of disappointed. And then that's when I think it really set in, like, all right, I just got to wait five years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Um, but, I mean, other than that, like, I had no, uh, you know, there was no no problems or, or whatever. Yeah. I actually but. Um, before flat going to boot camp, I smoked maybe like the weekend before going, and then I was thinking I was gonna pop on the piss test, you know, at boot camp. But you know, we got through it all right, I guess. So yeah, for a lot of people that don't know, actually, for for depending on the test, uh, they really test for frequency, I guess. Like the more you use it, the more likely you're gonna fail a test. But if you do it like once, it's very unlikely that it's gonna last. In certain specimens, I mean, I guess like if yeah. you, if you got tested through a blood specimen, I guess maybe they would be able to pick up on it pretty quickly. But if it's like a pee test or or like even a hair test, which are like the two most common ways to get hair, is like the worst. But um, like a pee test as well, it's not too uh, generative, but or generous. But yeah. even then, like if you're not doing it often, like if you do it once ever, and then that's it, and not even like if you do like a couple puffs feel the effects, it's probably like nine times out of ten not going to show up on your test whatsoever. Yeah, and I'm not, and I think, um, you know, I think they're also a lot of times testing for other stuff too, Um, because when I was, when I was in a battalion that was based out of um, Oxnard, California, um, there was another battalion on base that I guess there was like a drug lab bust or something in the barracks. I don't know. I don't know why people in the military try to bother with doing any drug lab stuff in the barracks on base. But um, they got busted, so uh, you know everybody was. We were doing piss tests all the time. I th- there'd be like a span of three or four weeks where it was like every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You know, it'd be like surprise piss test. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. So it was just a, a way of life. Um. All right. Cool. So you come out of the military. You uh, do you move uh, straight to Hollywood after the military? Uh. So yeah, I 
um, after the military, I yeah, I moved straight to Hollywood. Um, from uh, I was living in Ventura at the time. That was near near the base that I was at. Um, moved to Hollywood, started going to school for the sound engineering stuff. Um, got my sound engineering degree. Also realized that I didn't want to really be a sound engineer for music because I was doing a lot of studio gigs working on like some up and coming rappers, you know, song, listening to the same eight bars over and over, trying to EQ some something to sound. Yeah, it, it, I was not having fun. Anyway, ended up going to film school right after the sound stuff, got my film degree and did some uh, film projects, got a project on um, iTunes. And it was on Netflix at the time too, but that contract expired, so you can look for fixation on iTunes if you're interested in uh, fixed gear cycling. That's sick. Um, but yeah, and then after after that, I ended up going to another school. This is all thanks to the GI Bill, by the way, which is <laughs> part of the reason I joined the military. Um, but I ended up going to another school in Burbank um, for new media marketing. And that was kind of a, a mix of graphic design and social media and YouTube and all, all kinds of that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and then after that, I was working in L.A. and Hollywood for a while. But then that whole time, really, I was uh, just smoking a lot of weed. You know, Southern California, weed culture was, uh, it's so embedded already. Like, it's not a, to I don't know, to be a weed smoker or to see a dispensary or any of that sort of stuff, like it's not a it's not a thing. I don't know how to explain it. it. It's not an area where you're going to be judged for what you're doing, I guess. Is yeah, it's very saying. much a regular thing. Like I would always talk about it like, uh, you know, it's like if you're going to the store to buy milk. Yeah. You know, it's like it doesn't, you don't tell your friends like, yeah, I'm going to go to the store and buy this gallon of milk, you guys. Uh, it's just like a regular, yeah thing. Yeah. Um, and then the whole culture, you know, is so chill and laid back and kind of, uh, you know, which is part of the draw for me, you know, for Southern California. And so to have uh, the ability to go to the, to go to dispensaries, you know, even back then in like, you know, 2009 or 10, uh, was awesome. You know, I felt, I felt like a kid in a Chocolate factory or whatever, yeah. <laughs> you know, even at the time, I remember, you know, there was a dispensary by my apartment in Hollywood that, you know, sold edible, you know, frozen pizzas. They had all kinds of stuff. So speaking on that note, so your first experience obviously was smoking. I think that for a majority of people, that's probably their first experience when they get into cannabis. Um, like getting into the other aspects of it, like uh, you, you probably went from that to maybe trying an edible or vaping, how, like, how hesitant, I guess, or, like, how difficult was it for you to, like, try different experiences in cannabis? Was it, like, let me jump into it, or was it, like, I'm going to take it it cautiously? Just jump right in, yeah. There was no, uh, (laughs) there was no hesitation. It's like me, dude. (laughs) Yeah, the first, um, I I think one of the first edibles that I had was a chocolate bar, um, and, People from L.A. will know, like, from the L.A. scene. But if you ever had or heard of a hubby bar, um, that was, like, the OG chocolate um, candy bar edibles in L.A., and they were super strong. I think one bar, um, you know, was 500 milligrams. Wow. 
And so each, and it was five pieces, so each chunk was 100 milligrams. Um, and, you know, I don't know anything about milligrams and whatever. I'm just like, whatever, it's one chocolate bar, so I'm going to eat it. And that was that, yeah. So I just had chocolate bars, and I started getting, uh, you know, all, what anything else that the dispensary had, which at the time was, you know, all the typical stuff, the Rice Krispie treats and chocolate chip cookies and s'mores and all that sort of stuff. Did you, um, um, when you, when you consume cannabis, I guess, uh, what, do you have a preference that's like more like your favorite compared to rest or, um, I mean, um, I guess then, or even now, like, is there one that you really leave? kind of changed and it kind of ebbs and flows with the, with what I'm doing and with the time, I guess typically my favorite is, I guess my go-tos would be hybrids just cause, uh, you know, I can I'll, I can have them in the daytime or, or at nighttime. Um, that's kind of a nice middle of the road. But you know, sometimes I like a good strong sativa in the morning, or or at night. You know, definitely um, a nice Kush or something like that. And so, when uh, did you do your first dab? My first dab was um, gosh, I think this might have also been two thousand. This is early. Now that I think about it and realize, I think 2010 or 11. Was that always um, a thing? I'm not too familiar with that. Was that like always a, a, a thing that people did? Is it like pretty, was it older than you or did you jump no, into it when it was like? No, it, it did start to pop up around that time. I gotcha. Believe, around 2000, I would say probably like 2009, 2010. And I think I got, I first started dabbing or getting hip to it, whatever, maybe like 2010, 2011. Gotcha. Because, um, again, I'm around, I was around Hollywood this time, and uh, I would, there was like a couple, f- before I was working at these smoke shops, I was frequenting these smoke shops. Um, so I was always in there looking at the glass, and I was always into glass and like different bongs and bubblers. Um, but I remember um, going into one of my I think it was called Third Eye Smoke Shop at the time in Hollywood. It's not there anymore, but I went in there and I was—I saw these new pieces that I'd never seen before. There were, you know, bongs, but it had like an upside-down piece on it instead of like where the bowl would normally be. There was an attachment, and it had a like a bell thing that was upside down, and it had a little metal plate under it a skillet and you'd switch you'd heat the skillet up and swing the plate underneath the bell so it would vaporize into the bell anyway so all these new glass pieces started to come into the shop and i was like wow what is this and uh the guy you know was just explaining to me that these pieces are just for smoking oil um and dabs you know only um you know no these weren't for weed it wasn't for flour um but that's what i realized like if these glass artists and whatever are starting to make pieces to smoke just the oils and the concentrates by themselves, that's when I knew it was kind of going to be a thing and, and I guess take off. And then, you know, sure enough, it, it, it blew up. It turned into a huge thing, you know, that's so now, wild. you know, now you got seven ten as its own holiday or, you know, like four twenty or whatever. And, yeah, oh, is that dab day? I didn't even know that. 710? Is that like... Yeah, because 710 is oil upside down. Oh. So, yeah, so 710, July 10 is like the... It's like the weed holiday, but for 
Yeah, concentrates. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy! I didn't even know that. Wow, how have yeah. I not, how have I not heard of that? And I actually have. I'll have to. Uh, I have to look back and find it. But I remember going. I used to go um, on Venice Beach. There was the Venice Beach Cush uh, Club, and it was a dispensary right on the boardwalk. It was also a smoking uh, smoking lounge um, where you could just you could sit at a bar and pick out your bomb. And pick, you know, pick out what kind of weed or dabs or whatever you wanted, and bud tenders would serve you up dabs right there on the boardwalk. God, it was great. That must have been so sick. Like, but it's one of my biggest regret, or not regrets. I guess you can't really be in control of that. But one of uh, one of the things I wish I, I would have been around was just that scene where technically everywhere it was illegal. I mean, like you probably had some states at the time that you first got into this where it was like medicinal in some states, but like California was the first state that implemented medicinal. I did it like in an earlier podcast. I went over the history of cannabis, but Colorado was the first one to legalize it recreationally. And actually, funny enough, uh, a lot of people think that California, you know, had been legal recreationally forever just because of how Kurt's describing it. It's just like everyone was accepting of it. And I think it was just because yeah. how early they, they introduced medicinal, but it wasn't until maybe a couple of years ago that they finally made it recreationally legal, right? Yeah, so actually, yeah, California didn't go recreationally legal until like a year after, I think, Nevada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so this whole time, uh, Cali, Cali was just a medical um, state. But they had already such a medical setup program. Like, there's so many doctors everywhere. You know, it was so easy to get your medical card. There's dispensaries everywhere. And yeah, like I said, it was already kind of part of the culture and already uh yeah already kind of there that it, it wasn't really a thing when did you uh here's another uh interest of of kurt's actually um uh jiu-jitsu when did you get into jiu-jitsu during all of this um so i actually i, I wrestled in high school and and then through the military um uh, there's a thing called the Marine Corps Martial Arts Program, um, which I actually, I might have, at the time, I was probably one of the only Navy people uh, to have a Marine Corps Martial Arts uh, belt, but I was a tan, what, tan, gray, green, I was a green belt in that program. And that took a lot of uh, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, and just kind of, I guess, like real world, I don't know, hand-to-hand combat type stuff into its own thing. Um, but so I had trained in those, you know, with that and wrestling and done that sort of stuff, um, um, you know, early on. And then I've always watched, I've always watched UFC and been a fan of MMA, even since the very first ones. Um, so I've always watched it from afar and, and appreciated it, but I didn't actually start training in jujitsu myself until, um, coming out here to Las Vegas. Um, and that was mainly because of just the accessibility that I had uh, to a gym here. Um, the 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, um, which for anybody that smokes weed and knows about Jiu-Jitsu, you definitely already know about 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu um, because Eddie Bravo also loves weed. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's a gym downtown, um, I, I go train there, and of course, a lot of people at that gym um, 
you know, smoke weed. And actually, there's quite a few cannabis industry uh, people that are part of that gym. You know, I've met head growers from some dispensaries and, you know, other bud tenders or marketers from other brands. Um, a lot of people train there, so it's kind of cool. It's a good crossover, uh, uh, I think, the jujitsu and cannabis communities. That's sick. Do you know in MMA, like, I didn't realize this until um, after the fact, but, you know, even until very recently, I think the NFL maybe last year started uh, stopped, um, like, piss testing for, for cannabis. Was MMA always kind of, like, uh, lenient towards people that took cannabis, like, to help with pain especially, or was it... Is no, it still- I mean, any of the... Or, like, UFC... I mean, you know, UFC is basically the... MMA. Yeah. Um, but that uh, UFC, no, they were, they didn't allow it um, for a while. And it wasn't until, um, you know, Nick and Nate Diaz, uh, and, then, and then it wasn't until those guys uh, kind of taking a hiatus or break from the UFC, um, as well as some other things and other fighters too. But it wasn't until then that the MMA world uh, ha- had to really question... Uh, cannabis's place, I guess, within the sport, which it was only e- illegal, you know, I think because of sponsor, you know, reasons, probably with, you know, ESPN, True, Reebok yeah. or whatever, who knows, um, that sort of stuff. But, you know, regardless of that, you know, cannabis should absolutely, absolutely be, you know, a part of any, you know, sport, you know, therapy or, you know, anything like that. Gotcha. And then, um, what, like, I, I think there's two different people that consume cannabis. And I, I, I described myself uh, this past week as the type of person that just bought weed to, or like smoked weed and enjoyed weed just to get high. I never, I never went out of my way to really learn anything like the history, the science. I appreciated like some of the news, like for other states that like allowed it as like legal or not. But like, um, where I grew up in Florida, it was always illegal. I mean, it wasn't medicinal until I think after I left Florida. Um, and so I just kind of, every time I got my hands on, on weed, it was just like, I'm just going to smoke it and enjoy getting high. I didn't know the difference between a sativa, a hybrid or indica. I didn't know anything. And I also didn't know about the different ways you could consume cannabis outside of like a friend that cooked it once in a while and made an edible. Um, it was really just, uh, bong hits, uh, joints and, and edibles here, here and there. But, um, what I, what I'm trying to get at is when did you transition from like enjoying getting high to actually learning a lot about cannabis? Um, you know, I had always been, uh, interested, I guess, in the, in the medicinal or I guess scientific, uh, aspect of of marijuana i remember e- even when i started to jump back into it you know you know in la you know after i got out of the military um you know i i knew that that i wasn't just smoking it too you know just just to have high and whatever or just to get high um you know prior to the you know way before that in high school you know if that's what it was i was like oh, i'm getting high um but after i you know, years later, again, I had took a five-year break. Um, I definitely knew that I was, it had more of a medicinal purpose. Um, so kind of right from the get-go, I always had that eye or that mentality towards it. Uh, when I when I got out of the military, I 
actually have a... They actually gave me some, like, huge... I don't remember what they were. Some, some horse pills for... Uh, I have muscle spasms. And so they gave me those pills. And I remember I took them, like, one time. And I was like, nah. Those suck. And then that's kind of also, you know, part of the reason I, you know, started to smoke a lot of weed, too. Because um, it definitely helped with my muscle spasms. Um, and then through that, just... Um, I would, you know, pick up different, you know, like you said, marijuana news or things like that from different blogs or from reading different magazines in those dispensaries. Um, because at the time, you know, I recognized, you know, just the fallacy of it being illegal and really recognized, you know, the medical use that this plant could bring. Um, I recognized it, you know, back then, which is why I... Um, I still I work in it now, so I still believe in that. Um, but I guess really to answer your question, for me, for me now, it's both. You know, I love to smoke weed to get high and you know uh, get messed up. So, so so we'll say, or you know, maybe I'm going out for a bike ride or a run, and you know, I want to get a nice good high before I do that. But if I'm doing it in that way, I think that's more. I almost feel like I'm supplementing and. It's not necessarily like I'm I'm getting messed up or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, for me, it depends because I I also have a table full of so many different things to try, and which I'm very grateful for since I'm in the cannabis industry. Um, you know, so I get to try a bunch of new things and uh, you know try them out. So sometimes I do like to have fun, you know, that way and just see how strong something might be. Would um. Actually, I, I was I, I was telling my podcast that like uh, I took a hiatus from smoking ever since I had my daughter, and just shortly before I had her, um, so I haven't uh, touched a cannabis product. And I mean, she's she just turned seven months. It's so hard to think about that, but um, and over eight months, I think it's it's been since I the, since I consumed. Man, dude, it's so crazy how time flies. It's crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I told myself that when I get back into it, I really don't want to get back into it doing what I did before where it was just getting high all the time. Uh, like my reasons for doing it was just, yeah. uh, I, I enjoy being like a, uh, like a, a funny go lucky kind of type of guy. And, and you've seen that obviously just like, I'm always just like, uh, just having fun. And so cannabis really, I could see for a lot of people when, when they need that for that uh, mentality change, sometimes they, they kind of, for whatever reason, it helps exemplify that for them. But for me, it just made me, you know, too silly. <laughs> um, and I was telling yeah, myself, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. And so I was telling myself that if I ever got back into it, I would want to more get back into it for the health benefits from it, like to do more research and see if there was a, a specific type of product uh, that I can consume that would help me in whatever I needed at the time. Oh, um, definitely. And that's the thing now, too, is, you know, we have so many different product types that there's definitely something for you because. You know, I use there's patches and and creams and you know pills and lozenges and so many different things now. And of course, you know, you always got to look at the terpenes and, and the milligrams on that. Um, but really, like um, you know, if you're looking for the most medicinal, you know, usage is really you know, as you already know. But look look for the terpenes and the terpenes that really uh, affect you you know, in the ways that you're looking for and also pay attention to the, 
your intake, you know, the milligrams of it, because then you can really dial in and gauge, you know, those effects of what you're looking for. Oh my God, you're going to laugh. But actually I did uh, a couple days ago, I did a really brief and it's really hard to, to, to try to fit as much as you can into a podcast, especially when you don't, <laughs> when you don't go into these with a kind of structure, but um, you're bringing up a subject that actually hasn't been brought up at all. And uh, that's terpenes uh, actually, so I talked to, uh, for a lot of people just, um, you know, uh, the different cannabinoids you can get and they're like the more popular of the two, which is CBD and THC. And I went over like uh, the different strains, your indicas, um, sativas and hybrids. And I kind of went over all of that. But I, I, funny enough, I totally overlooked terpenes because, um, you know, terpenes don't matter. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> they do actually. Uh, so when I, uh, to reiterate, and I'm going to ask Kurt in a second to kind of go over what terpenes are because he's more familiar with it than uh, obviously I am. But um, so essentially when you go into a dispensary and you go and speak with a butt tender, obviously I would always recommend to anyone that's a newcomer into the cannabis space, don't just get weed from a friend. You're really going to do yourself a disservice. I would go into a dispensary and be honest with the butt tenders and let them know exactly what you're looking for or why you're even interested in consuming cannabis so they can point you in the right direction. And one of the things that they're going to bring up a lot is, you know, the strains and, and, the, and the different type of way that you can consume the cannabis product. But they're going to bring up something called terpenes. And so, Kurt, if you wouldn't mind just kind of going over, it's, it's a lot, uh, but if you could just like explain it to someone that wouldn't know what a terpene is, like what is it? Yeah, um, I mean, so a terpene is just, uh, it's a compound. It's really found in basically all plants, um, but it's the compound that gives plants their, um, basically their aroma and fragrance, um, but they can also have kind of secondary effects as well uh, when consumed, uh, when, say, something like cannabis plant. So um, cannabis terpenes, uh, popular ones are like myrcene, linalol, Caryophyllene, um, limonene. Uh, there's a bunch, right? Yeah. And, and actually, funny so, enough, some of their names are actually best describe the aroma or even taste you're going to get from it. Like pinene, it's like a very pineish type of uh, taste to smell. Li- uh, yeah. Limonene, it's you know very lemon-like, or it's like a uh, like that kind of like yeah. And so, it's, yeah. Um, funny enough, if you just think of the name and how it the taste sounds to you, it's pretty much the best way to describe the taste that you're going to be getting from the cannabis product as well. Yeah. Although there are some like caryophylline. Yeah. Like, yeah. You wouldn't know <laughs> no. what that is, but um, you know, by its name, but, but yeah, so the, these terpenes, you know, um, give in this case, the, the weed there's, this is what gives them its smell. Um, so when you open up a jar and it smells like a forest, um, you know, it's because of the terpene profile. If you open up a jar and it smells like an orange, uh, it's a different. It's going to be a different terpene profile in there. Um, if you open up a jar and it smells like cheese, <laughs> you know, it's a different. It's different terps. And then, you know, like the ones you had mentioned, like limonene and pinene, you know, those terpenes are more commonly associated with uh, sativa uh, plants. Um, which, you know, are, are known for, as kind of the more uppers or more energetic 
uh, highs. Yes. So if that's something you're looking for, you know you can you know you don't have to necessarily look for the name of the weed anymore because sometimes from place to place the name of the weed might be different. But if you know the terpenes in it, um, then you can look for those same terpenes and other different weed strains as well. Yep. Um, and so, um, going and segueing on, on, on the subject on just like understanding like the medicinal benefits of cannabis. Um, I brought up like some, like my mentality on legalization and, and I would like to get your insight on this as well. And so funny enough, um, you know, I worked for a recreational company and, uh, everything of that nature. But I think if it were to, let's say tomorrow, the, the conversation nationally was going to be like, how are we going to legalize this on a national basis? Uh, I really do think that before we go into just you being able to buy, you know, whatever cannabis product at a Walmart or something like this, it, it might sound controversial, but, uh, unfortunately this space, because it's been a schedule based drug for, you know, forever since the sixties, uh, there hasn't been enough research done on the cannabis on cannabis products, especially like all these new and unique different ways that people grow these plants. Really all the tests that they do is just off of generic cannabis products. And so you don't really get to see all the benefits or maybe even some of the downsides to certain ways you can consume cannabis. Um, my, my question to you would be, what are your thoughts? Like if it were to be like, let's say tomorrow, if the conversation began, like let's start making this federally legal. Do you think it should just be go straight into recreational or do you think it should be kind of like a gradual process? Maybe first start with medicinal. What are your thoughts on it? Cause mine um, is uh, medicinal first before recreational. Well, I mean, um, you know, if, and well, I guess when, when well, who yeah. knows now, yeah, it's we'll say when, when. yeah, when, um, for sure. when it goes federally legal, I definitely think, uh, just, you know, leave it up to each state, uh, first to figure out how they want to, um, proceed forward. Um, but I think, uh, I mean, I, th- I think I'll just go straight, straight to recreational. Uh, and my thought really is, um, and this is kind of that the, the industries at large, except for maybe Colorado um, or or Washington, but I feel like a lot of the markets maybe just did it wrong, like did it set it up wrong. Like I think if you just go ahead and go right into recreational, that way you don't have to deal with two different systems of tracking and all this other sort of logistical stuff. Um, but then within the recreational limits, just be able to have different, uh, you know, dosages. Just like you could buy different proof alcohol at the store. You know, nobody's holding your hand at the at the liquor, at Lee's Liquor, <laughs> and making, making sure that you only buy, you know, 40 proof alcohol. You know, that doesn't happen. So why does that have to happen with, you know, with weed with cannabis yeah um so that's that's what i think i think just go ahead and legalize it recreational everywhere but then allow you know a different range uh you know of thc limits that way you can have different products um you know at different uh tiers for different types of people which actually i think would be even better because then you'd have a much more diverse and vast range of products, which would help drive, you know, the consumers within that sector. But 
and that's I, a whole other thing. I, I thought about this because I, uh, at one point I was talking about like the dark side of the cannabis industry, and actually one of the uh, what a lot of people don't understand when uh, a state becomes recreationally legal. I was talking about how sadly for uh, cannabis connoisseurs or people that enjoy cannabis a lot that sometimes when your state becomes legal, it might not be to your benefit as a person because ultimately there's obviously a lot of legislation, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of, uh, corporate America that gets involved. And so like, for instance, here in Nevada, I'm not allowed to grow a cannabis plant unless I'm, I'm medicinal or for medicinal purposes. And it's only what, like two plants, I think, or like six plants. Yeah. And that, that's the other part of where I think recreational messed up in a lot of places is part of legal weed should be that anybody should be able to grow weed. Yes. So that's also part of where I think, uh, you know, things could change or, you know. But it's, like, it's interesting because it actually has – I understand the the reasons, but – I really feel like they're using it as a narrative to really uh, support the, the green. And so I, I talked about this again, where I was saying that for a lot of this, it's a lot of existing medicinal dispensaries. They're really afraid of new dispensaries getting into the recreational space and really hindering their, their traffic, their business. And so generally like when a, a state that was medicinal is looking to go recreational, a lot of these medicinal dispensaries kind of have a say in the structure of the legislation. And so that's where you get a regulation on the amount of licenses that can be allowed every year for a dispensary to open up. And sometimes these dispensaries have geographic locks as well, where essentially you can't build a dispensary within X amount of miles from my dispensary. Um, and I, and I can understand some of the narrative as to why they do that. Like for instance, one of the difficulties with California when they, finally went recreationally legal was that they were so laxed on like people using cannabis in general that uh, they realized that, you know, dispensaries that were trying to do it the legal way were having a difficulty competing against the black market dispensaries that were always open pretty much from the beginning of time. And yeah. uh, for whatever reason, they just couldn't qualify for a legal license. But I understand the reasoning behind that because um, there are cannabis products that aren't regulated. And sometimes, you know, I think that's where the whole vape scare came from was a lot of like the deregulated uh, industries uh, for a lot of people that aren't familiar. I think this was like uh, all last year. Um, there was some controversy going around where like essentially if you were smoking or vaping, uh, depending on the type of vape product that you were using uh, at the time, it was linked to tobacco, but it was also showing signs like in the cannabis space as well where uh, you could have like huge detrimental effects to your lungs, which I feel so bad for those people nowadays, like during this. Yeah, whole... it was like, um, it was like a, somebody was pumping out a ton of bad batches of cartridges yeah. for, for cannabis vapes and for like, and for the e-juice, uh, like nicotine and vaping. And so uh, the argument was like, if, if there was more legal dispensaries that are regulated, then that kind of stuff probably wouldn't have maybe blown up to the degree that it did. And I can understand that degree, but I'm conflicted because those people really are monopolizing the industry as well. And they're making it very difficult for people like myself who would be really curious to try to grow their own, you know, cannabis plant and like harvest their own weed and smoke their own weed. 
they're really stopping from that kind of ingenuity from happening, which is sad. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I'm kind of on the side of, uh, you know, whatever, guerrilla garden. Go go plant you one or two seeds somewhere. Because, you know what, it's legal, at least in this state, and one or two plants personally, that's not going to hurt anybody, right? Come yeah. On. <laughs> I see what you're doing there. So, yeah, I should just, you know, start grabbing the pots, grab the soil, and just... Look, I'm looking at my arrow garden right now, sitting <laughs> on the refrigerator. Do you have an arrow garden, really? Yeah, I've actually grown uh, plants with it. Oh, what? How long have you had an arrow yeah. garden? Um, oh God, for since Hol- since I lived in Hollywood. What? Really? Do you like yeah. it? What? How That's, have I not so, known this? So, um, well, I haven't. I, I haven't used it. Like a true uh, arrow garden. Like the it's arrow, literally like an arrow garden. Is a, this is the older um, one. What? So okay. I'm, so the new one now is like really small and compact and the lights like it's like they're nice flat LED. It's nice. I still have like the old um gas tube um style. But know, still just water, just water, not really like having to manage really much. It's just like a But yeah, the um when I actually did grow, I think I, I grew like a hydroponic is what it's called, plants. right? Yeah, I grew six plants with it um what? successfully in my closet in Hollywood. And it'll grow um, weed as well. What's that? It'll, it'll grow like a cannabis plant as well. That's what I grew. Yeah. Oh my god, that <laughs> is so sick! Yeah. Oh, so I'm gonna I buy actually, one. I, I ordered <laughs> seeds from like Amsterdam or something. Uh, they were. You'll have to look and do some your own seed research. But oh my these, god, dude, they're half these off were, right now um, on Amazon. Uh, they're they're called auto flowering seeds. So I get you don't have to really pay attention to like the day and night and watering cycles, I guess. It just means that um, at the right time they they flower. When you get uh, your like, where'd you get your seeds from? Yeah. You have to find it from someone, right? Um, I ordered them online. I mean, if you just maybe just use a VPN or something and duck, duck, go, and just you can find it. It's easy. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, look up auto flowering seeds because they'll be the easiest to manage and grow and deal with. Um, but yeah, I just I popped them into the pods for the arrow garden. You know, I filled the little tank with water, uh, turned it on, and that was about it. I just had to refill the tank, you know, every now and then with water. Um, but other than that, it, you know, it did its thing on its own. I would just have to make the lights taller sometimes. I would check on my plants. They were like my little babies. How long does it take you to grow it, like generally? Um, I think it took about... Um, those ones, it's a really, it depends on the strains and stuff that you get and the type of seeds, but the ones that I did, I think they're about four months. Uh, so it was like a four month grow. And then I think I only did like a month and a half of like drying and curing. Um, cause I was impatient. I probably should have did it a little bit longer, <laughs> but it was, you know, the first time ever growing my own weed and I wanted to try it out already. And uh, it was pretty good. Oh my god, was- dude! I'm I'm literally gonna buy one right after this podcast. They're so funny enough. They're like the largest one, the like the newer ones that you're talking about. They are yeah. more compact. They are definitely smaller. I, I I've been always interested about Arrow Garden stuff. Um, it's cool. 
Yeah, so you can so essentially for a lot of people that don't know what this is, essentially it's like your uh it's it's called hydroponics. Essentially there's no soil required and essentially you get seed pods or you get seeds, you plant them in these like uh areas and then it's just a water-based system with LEDs on the top that sim- uh, simulate like a sunlight. And actually it grows plants faster than if you were to grow it outside, right? Um, like, yeah, I think, I think depending, depending on your settings and stuff, cause you can set different, um, light cycles and, and things like that. But dude, they're, uh, they're more, more expensive one. It's like $430, but it's like discounted right now to 280. Which, oh, nice. Yeah. Well, this is like a huge, I mean, honestly, it's a cool, um, it, I've never grown, I haven't grown anything else. Um, after that you haven't grown like uh like actual like lettuce or anything off of it no but see how it would be a good uh a good yeah i've literally only grown leave it hey i mean that's that's a big selling point they should put that on their yeah on their product um, like hey by the way you can grow cannabis off of this but I, yeah i could see it you know growing some tomatoes or you know some other stuff in there that is so funny dude wow I can't believe I never brought up Arrow Garden uh, in front of you. I, I did not know you had one. That is so cool. Yeah. So Arrow Garden, that's what's up. So your weed that you grew off of it was it like? It's it's it like obviously you're buying your seeds from a source. You really can't vet the seeds themselves. But I mean, when you would smoke it, like oh, it's good. Well, I mean the this the site that I bought them on, it was legit. You know, it's like any other website online that had user reviews and star ratings and all of that stuff. Um, so I trusted, uh, I can't remember, you know, again, I think I just looked in the back of high times or something and, you know, picked out a website, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I remember I just, I picked out the auto flowering seeds because it, they're the easier ones to grow. And I remember I got a, it was AK 47. That was the strain that I got, and it um, was. A, it's <laughs> but it was good. It was good. Other than then, other than I could have uh, maybe dried and cured um, after the harvest a little bit longer, you know. And then I'm sure if I maybe use different nutrients and all that stuff during the grow, but for my first time, you know, without any, without really knowing anything, it came out pretty good. You know, honestly, uh, it should be recommended that people get one of these during COVID-19, to be honest, because, I mean, you get, like, fresh vegetables uh, yeah. that you grow inside your house. So, if, like, you're, tr- like, in the house lockdown, it gives you something to do, which is not really hard to manage as well, because the systems are, like, nowadays, too, they're, like, pretty much self-explanatory, and they, they do yeah, everything. they kind of set and forget and, like, plug and play. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm definitely getting one of these. <laughs> yeah, if so I had funny. room, like if I had a proper house with, with room, I would get like five or six and just line them up and just have all kinds of stuff going. That's so cool! I did not know that. That's so awesome. Um, but yeah, Arrow Garden, if you're listening, <laughs> sponsorship right here. Yeah, hook it up. <laughs> uh, you just sold someone. Um, <laughs> That that's cool. So uh, I I definitely do agree with the the idea that um, like people should at least have, be given like allowed the opportunity. That whole idea where you can't I understand where it's coming from. Like they like they're afraid that people are going to be growing like I don't know like on their multiple acres of land, like multiple you know pockets of 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 weed plants, and then you know trying to distribute and sell it themselves. But um, 
which is I just mean, insane, yeah. honestly. I don't know. Part of, for me, I say go for it. Yeah. You know, it's like if somebody down the street wants to grow some tomatoes or whatever and go to the farmer's market and sell it, they can. Yeah. You know, Smiths don't have a problem with it. Bonds doesn't have a problem with it. Trader Joe's doesn't care. Yeah, you should so just be can... able to go to your local farmer's market and just be like, hey, check out my, my weed. You know what I mean? Because there's still going to be like, you know, if it's going to be a free market like that. And how many people are gonna actually going to do it too? I mean, like high quality out. dispensary stuff, you know, where they know it's grown in the best ways and all of that, especially now, you know, with weed being legal for a little bit now, uh, you know, we're going to see, we're, we're going to have more connoisseurs, you know, I'm sure even yourself, as you kind of started to use cannabis a little bit more, you kind of became a little bit more connoisseur about it. So you may not, you know, you, you maybe you wouldn't go to the street dealer or whatever all the time because, you know, you want to get the best stuff. How hard is it to grow your own seeds? Like, you know how they, like, sell the seed pods with the air garden? This is, like, transitioning from a cannabis subject to, no. like, a... Um, well, it's it's just, like, these little... You just get regular seeds. And you just put them in the, like... You, you, know, you, you put them in the pod yourself. So it's not like... You have to I mean, use their stuff. I mean, as far as I know, I, maybe, maybe I don't know, like, the newest, newest one, but... Yeah, the, as far as I know, you just take the seed yourself and you put it in a little foam... Like hold like a little foam square, yeah. And then you you put that in a little plastic piece, and then you pop that into the pod, and and then you're good to go. That way, you you can use whatever seeds you know you want. You're not you don't have to buy like proprietary seed pods. Oh, it says right here you can grow anything. Oh, they do. Yeah. Have like a okay. Grow. Yeah, yeah. So you just get whatever seeds you want, and then just load the pods up. Dude, that is so sick! Wow, sold. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks. Yeah, everybody. of course. Um. <laughs> so that's cool man and then uh your your thoughts like in working in the cannabis industry do you think it's like a, a good industry to work in do you th- do you recommend like certain job positions maybe over others like what are your thoughts on working in the cannabis space yeah um i mean i mean the cannabis space is you know it's one of the uprising upcoming hot shots industry slash sectors of business so I definitely think it's a good space overall to be in, um, no matter what part of it you want to do. Um, it has it has everything that a lot of other industries have. You know, if you're going to be a bud tender or something like that, that's um, you know, it's basically, you're basically just doing retail. Um, but then there's everything that supports that on the management and logistics side of supply chains and inventories and things like that. And then you have all the jobs dealing with, you know, compliance and just general management of things. And, you know, then you have marketing side of things and there's, there's really, there's a lot of, uh, different job positions and things that you could do within the cannabis industry. Um, especially thinking about, you know, or what I'm always thinking about is in ways that it can merge with tech or, you know, something like that. Um, I think it's, it's a great space to be in and it's only just, it's only going to get bigger. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of, of anything else, but honestly I can't, you, you kind of went over every single thing I, I wanted to talk about, but ultimately, um, 
you know, if you want to plug anything in. Actually, funny enough, this is how much Kurt has such a marketing background. He somehow, of anyone I know, and Kurt's not like the most like unique first name. Sorry to say that, but like Jason is not the most no, unique no, first right. name. <laughs> <laughs> um, but somehow landed Kurt, so his Instagram tag, if you want to find him, is just at Kurt. You know, there's no dot Kurt, underscore Kurt, you know, spelling Kurt a different way. No, it's at C-U-R-T. It's, you know, um, that's where you can find him on Instagram. How he landed that's that, right. I don't know how he did. And <laughs> I mean, I, I got I got lucky. I, I'm telling you, I caught wind of Instagram really early. That's and just I so signed sick. up, and I'm, I've just always been terrible with usernames and things like that. Me too. And so I, I just signed up with my name, Kurt. <laughs> and it wasn't it was available so that's just so sick but 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 funny enough that you bring that up because i actually deactivated my account today uh so oh you're maybe, off the grid oh yeah so may, maybe look for me in like a week or two um yeah my account has been ever since i archived all my posts um uh, i wanted to start my feed over um i think instagram thinks i'm a bot so uh, all my actions have been um, uh, flagged or, or, or whatever. I'm getting pop-ups on, you know, I can't like, I can't follow, I can't comment. I'm getting that so, right now with, like, my, my uh, Tongues Out podcast Instagram account right now. They're really heavily managing yeah, I, uh, Instagram I, I, I don't accounts. Know. Yeah, they're doing some crazy stuff, as always. So, so yeah, I deactivated at Kurt for right now. But you can still find me at Cannabis Kurt. No underscores, all one word. Um, that account is still up, so I'm going to be a bit more active on there. Um, yeah. That's so sick. Uh, Kurt, man, uh, when all of this pandemic stuff ends, I can't wait to see your face again. Uh, again, a big shout-out to him as well. Yeah. Uh, he talked about just, like, his background in audio. And I went up to him one day, and I, I was, like, uh, I was telling him how I wanted to start a podcast it took six months to finally get off the ground. But at the time, I was asking him, like, hey, what would you recommend? And, man, he pointed me to the, you know, the right direction. He first asked me, you know, just, like, super insightful, you know, what's your budget? If you're looking to do it, like, super cheap, honestly, you don't really need much. And I was like, well, if, let's say, I had it up to, like, $1,000 to spend at it. And he was like, well, dude, if you have that much money, like, get this. Like, I recommend this and this. And... Uh, I've never, I, I've just been so happy to have this equipment and it's just made my life so easy to get into this space. But, uh, yeah, big, big shout out to you, man. Thank you so much. I just yeah, of course. Be a uh, thing if it wasn't for you. I'm a, I'm a gearhead. I, I like all the gear stuff. So, you know, I, I always got recommendations. And actually before this podcast started, I was actually, uh, because he's into, uh, photography and filmography, uh, I've been slowly wanting to, to get into that space. And so, honestly like for 10 minutes prior to we uh, starting like this podcast i was asking him a whole bunch of camera questions again like super insightful and, and getting pointing me in the right direction and uh it's a little bit harder to to navigate that space without actually getting my hands on the cameras but um you know anytime i always have like these like marketing questions or like just equipment in general it's just always great to just you know have someone like him to to lean on so uh thanks again man thank you again for taking yeah, an hour course. to even be on this podcast to do this with me um it's so last minute too um you know so thanks oh, again. no worries you know i'm on i'm on covid time now you know life has slowed down a little bit so i think i think we all got a little bit more time now <laughs> yeah of course um <laughs> 
stay safe, man. You know, do you, I know you're, you're just like, you just live life every single day, just trying different things. And, and I love watching and following you on social media, but, um, you know, thanks again for doing this again. I can't wait to see your face. You know, once all this stuff has actually, I need to see you soon. Cause like I was saying, I, I need to get a, a, a headshot done of me. So <laughs> I'm oh, actually yeah, going to be seeing you yeah. soon. So I'll, I'll actually reach out to you. But uh, to everyone yeah, else, let me know. Keep me posted. Of course, man. Uh, to everyone else, like he said, if you uh, ever have questions about this uh, space, you need some really good shots taken of you, um, you know, or you just in general just um, want to follow an interesting person at Cannabis Kurt on Instagram. Um, but again, thank you so much, man. And to everyone else, uh, I will catch everyone manana. Kurt, until next time, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Shout out to you guys for listening, and uh, thanks again to Jason for having me on. Talk to you guys later. Later, man. See you, bro. Bye. Bye.